Hey, as a duct tape marketing listener, we know you're always on the lookout for ways to more efficiently scale your business. That's why I'm so excited to chat about I Digress, another show on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Troy Sandridge, host of I Digress, talks all about how you can eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion from your business equation and create clarity to streamline strategy solutions that achieve scalable and sustainable success. Check out episode 24. Start there. 14 minutes or so. Strategy is power. You know I love that idea. So listen, learn, and grow with I Digress on the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. My name is Douglas Burdett, and I'm very honored to be guest hosting for John Jantz on this episode. Like you, I'm a listener to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I'm also the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I interview authors of best-selling marketing and sales books. And today, I'm going to be doing that as I interview the author of a book that I have read and strongly recommend. The book is the Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth. And the author is a gentleman who is no stranger to this show. His name is John Jantz. Now, I'm going to introduce John Jantz properly because he never does it for himself. He's just that kind of Midwestern guy. Doesn't want to talk about himself, but here we go. John Jantz is a marketing consultant, speaker, podcaster, and author. His other books include Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, The Commitment Engine, Duct Tape Selling, SEO for Growth, and the Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. He's also the founder of the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network, which trains and licenses independent consultants and agencies to use the duct tape methodology. John's small business advice has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, CNBC, CNN Money, and of course, the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast that you're listening to right now. Seth Godin called John Jantz the Peter Drucker of small business tactics. And interesting facts, John is the father of four daughters. He's one of 10 children, and he is a diehard Kansas City Royals baseball fan. John, congratulations on the ultimate marketing engine, and welcome to your own long-running show, the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Well, I'm just, I'm glad we recorded this, Douglas, because I'm just going to play it every show. I'm just going to let you introduce me. Uh, but <laughs> I must admit that it's a bit surreal being on the theoretical other side of the mic, but we've done this before. This is actually the second time we've done, uh, done That's this. That's right. And, uh, I had the honor of interviewing you and Phil Singleton about SEO for growth. And uh, I just loved that book. And I I can't remember how that happened, but I remember thinking, aren't you going to talk on your own show about this? And uh Maybe you were just a little surprised or delighted at how excited I was about that book. And I, I, I had read an article you'd written about guest hosting other shows. And I said, hey, look what this Jantz guy said. What do you think? You said, okay, uncle, I'm in. I'm in. I'll yeah. do it. Well, so I, I think listeners, of course, uh, hopefully you've found Douglas's show, The Marketing Book Podcast, because uh, I get interviewed by a lot of people and, and he really is one of the best interviewers. In, in large part because he actually reads the books, uh, which really helps. But if you haven't uh, checked out the Marketing Book Podcast, you really should. If you're interested in books at all, <laughs> make sure that you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. 
Well, thank you. And I should also say that what I didn't add to John's bio, but which is now going to be pretty much featured, is that he is now a member of a very exclusive club called the Marketing Book Podcast Five Timers Club. So what that means is that, you know, he can just pull up to any Taco Bell in the United States and just tell him that you don't tell him he's John Jance. Just say, I'm a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Five Timers Club. There's only three of us. And, and John, you're just going to see what things are going to start happening for you. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, so I can't wait to, can't wait till I, you know, closing the bars down at 2 a.m. again, some, some <laughs> evening right. and, uh, and heading over to Taco Bell. That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure. So you're a big, uh, Kansas city Royals fan. I'm just wondering, have they started doing the John Jance bobblehead day at coffin <laughs> stadium yet? That would be awesome. But you know, I don't think it would attract uh, very many fans, which is really the whole point of, of, of the bobbleheads. And oh. you know, the, 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 frankly, they've, they are probably looking for some new promotions because unfortunately <laughs> the product on the field isn't, isn't performing so well. Well, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I just don't think you should under, value you know the presence of your own uh, audience you know the you could get podcasters from around the world to maybe show up at kansas city you know it could be john jance day let's i mean just let's just test it one time okay let's leave it at that all right so now this it's more than just the book this also (laughs) has really great downloadable resources which i've already shared with one of my colleagues and also for people who buy the book there's actually a course that goes with the book. This is all at the ultimatemarketingengine.com. Talk talk about the the resources and the course, and I guess any other bonuses folks get. Well, I, you know, one of the things, Doug, when I wrote my first book in you know, 2007, there weren't a whole lot of books out there. I mean, people were hungry for sort of new information on the digital age of marketing. But in in the what 15 years that have passed since then. There are books everywhere. I mean, it's gotten so much easier, affordable to, to self-publish. There are distribution channels. So they're, they're, in the time we've been talking, probably five or 600 books came online. And so, <laughs> so I think like so many things, you know, the expectation is that it has to be not only great content, it has to maybe uh, include some innovative ideas, but people have to be able to take action on it. That's the real differentiator, I think. This book yes. is 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 largely a strategy book, but I kind of uh, refer to it as a strategy book with a workshop tucked inside of it. And mm-hmm. you know, at the end of every chapter, I give you action steps, and 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 I ultimately want people to take action. And so I've tried to make it as easy as possible. You mentioned the companion course, which is really videos of me explaining some of the core concepts and introducing some of the resources that you will uh, encounter, and that that course has actually been available, you know, uh, was available a couple months prior to the launch of the book because I wanted people to taste it. I wanted people to see a little bit of what they were going to get when the book became available. But when readers uh, do actually buy the book, they'll be able to return to the website. There's a URL printed in the book, I don't know, several dozen times. (laughs) I caught it, yeah. uh, That uh, I want to send people to because I I really do want them uh, to take action on this. This is not just theory that I've come up with and wrote about and hope works. I mean, this is stuff we do every day and teach every day. And so I've created a whole tool set so that people can benefit really from that as, as a reader of the book. I think that, you know, ultimately the impact I want to have is that people do something. I don't want them to just buy the book and read it. I want them to do something. 
Yes, I could envision this book uh, being seen on a lot of desks open. In other words, people would be referring back to it because all the exercises you have there, as well as the online ones, this is really something that you and your team could work through, whether you're a marketer or a, you know, a business owner. Uh, don't try and do it all at once, though. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, a, that, I, it's a it's a system. I mean, that's a great great advice. In fact, I would tell people I'd I'd let people off the hook even more than that. Get one or two good ideas and implement them, and I guarantee you, you will have gotten your sixteen ninety nine worth or whatever it is <laughs> right. that you pay for the book. So 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 really, you know, I don't want people to read the book and go, oh, this is a lot of work to do all this. Do one thing and then come back next week and do another thing. Yes, great advice. Great advice because this topic, marketing, all this sort of thing can be, it's, it's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And what's funny is in the book, you give examples and it's based on some examples you've had in your own business, you know, in the providing marketing services. And you talk, in fact, about how overwhelmed business owners are as it relates to marketing. It's not something they started out to do is become a marketer. They do something else. So that's uh, very relevant. So let me just read two quick excerpts from the beginning and then uh, get into some of the uh, key highlights of the book. <clears throat> During most of 2020 and into 2021, you saw article after article proclaim the strategies needed to market during a pandemic. Most of them boiled down to some version of stop taking your customers for granted and stop spamming people. When has that ever not been good advice? Good marketing that delivers value to those who are trying to solve a problem is always in season, and it always arrives from the customer's point of view. Don't misunderstand. This is not about the customer always being right. This is about being relevant in a customer's life, about changing the context of how they view your business or industry. It's about making every other business irrelevant in their eyes. In this book, I'm going to ask you to rethink how you view your current and future customer, how you view marketing, and how you choose who you work with. Ultimately, you will get the chance to dump most everything you have been told about how to build your business. You will see that there is an entirely fresh perspective available, steeped not in what you see everyone else doing, but in what is in your heart, what serves your grand purpose, and what creates the greatest value for those you choose to call customers. And then skipping over to page three. In this book, I'm going to take you on a marketing journey, but we won't travel the same old road you've been down before. Rather, I plan to push you to think about marketing from an entirely new point of view that allows you to create ridiculously consistent growth. So, John, let's talk about that. What <laughs> What new ground does the Ultimate Marketing Engine cover that makes it different from, well, I, maybe the other 350 other books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, for instance? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I challenge people to do that go against conventional wisdom. I mean, there's so many Facebook groups and courses that, that you can buy today that talk about funnels and funnel hacking. I really at least spend a lot of ink on trying to talk about how why that idea is so incomplete and that mm -hmm. a complete customer journey is something that we have to be thinking. And, and frankly... I think it's become more important than 
ever. I think nobody knows how to do anything <laughs> anymore. You know, all, all systems are broken. We now have the opportunity to really fix everything. But I also think that there, there, was, there, there was a real desire for a return to some humanity in business again. And, and I think that that, you know, you know, people talk about being customer centric. Well, we all learned what that actually meant uh, the last year. And, and I think is what it's going to mean going forward. It's no longer a buzzword. I basically make it, or at least make a case for looking at it as the entire strategy and mission of a business. So that's certainly one part. The other part that's going to really challenge a lot of people's thinking, I'm not the first person to say this, but it's certainly, I certainly get a lot of pushback when I do say it. And I'm, Oh, that means you're making progress. (laughs) That's right. And I'm, I'm going to suggest that people focus on the top 20% of their customers and not necessarily, uh, you know, reject everyone else, but uh, see that top 20% as their real opportunity uh, for growth and maybe ultimately the, the place that you take your entire business. And that's the one part that scares people probably the most. And and I talk about, you know, not only the rationale for it, but how to do it and why to do it. And I think that, you know, hopefully the those two elements, the idea of a complete customer journey that include this thing that I call the customer success track, which really can become, I think, the the goal and the mission for for an entire business is is to take a customer from where they are today to where they want to be, as opposed to sell them what it is we have to sell them. And and that all starts really with this idea of focusing on the right customer. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk some more about those. Let's let's unpack one of the biggest concepts from the book. I thought that I. I had never had this sort of paradigm before, which is this idea of customers as members. And full disclosure, we're not talking about like a Costco or a membership or a software as a service, but this this idea of treating customers like they are members. Yeah, and I'm glad you made that distinction because obviously the the word member, you know, does have some baggage. But it was the, to me, it was the best word. But I mean it in the sense of think about an organization that you want to become a member of. <laughs> an organization, right? It could be like emotional membership exactly. at the subconscious level that they don't. You might not even use that the M word. Yeah, when it, you're speaking. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not suggesting people start referring to their customers as members. It's really more of a point of view that that. To understand why somebody joins an organization or a cause even that they want to be a member of, it's because they they you know they really want to uh, invest in themselves in their businesses rather than just make a purchase. They want to find an organization that they're not just going to refer, but but that they will evangelize because that organization is is so bent on on creating transformation in their life or in their business, and so. I start that as as really the the beginning point of you know changing how you come to think about your customer. Now, it's a great idea, sounds great, you know, makes good speech, uh, bullet, you know, in in when I'm giving talks. But I've also tried to make it very practical and give you how I think this is can be accomplished and and really how it can actually become an extremely practical way to build your business. Yes, it it reminded me of, or it brought to mind the idea of customers who innately feel like you're looking out for their best interests, rather than just trying to churn and burn or sell and 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 ignore them, like like most businesses seem to do. Yeah, and I actually start the book out, you know, with a, a story of a customer that that what I saw and experienced with them really shone a very bright light on how important that is. I mean, there are a lot of businesses out there that 
actually have just innately done that. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot of them actually not only survive, but really thrive through the the pandemic because that element was such a, a driving force in why people stayed with them and bought gift cards from you know from them even though they couldn't use them you know at the time those kinds of things i think really showed kind of who was that kind of business and who wasn't that kind of business and to me what i tried to say is can't we all be that yeah let's to that practical point let's talk about how the the marketing hourglass helps a company to to think that way in other words let's com- contrast it with you know, the typical sales and marketing funnel of whatever, you know, pick your pick your words, awareness, consideration, decision. I've also seen the hourglass concept portrayed in a couple of books as a bow tie. In other words, mm-hmm. it, it gets narrow and then it gets wide again. But I think too many companies have half a bow tie. Yeah. Well, it's it, it, it you know, even the words you used, awareness, consideration, decision. I mean, the, the typical marketing and sales funnel is all about what we want them to do, what we want our prospects and, and, and customers to do. And what I suggest is that, that marketing today has become less about creating demand and more about organizing behavior. So my marketing journey, the marketing hourglass consists of seven stages. And I like to, I like to suggest that these are behaviors that people want to do, and we just have to organize them doing them. And just to interrupt, you say that way too many companies have maybe just two steps rather than seven. Yeah. I mean, the, the typical marketing that I encounter is, uh, here's our ad to come on down and buy. And right. that, you know, that's, right. that, those are two of the stages. I have to know about you. Um, but in between that, no, I have to develop some fondness for, or at least a decision to maybe go a little deeper. I have to develop trust. Maybe I have to actually find a way to try what it might be like to work with your business. And certainly when I do buy, I want that experience to stay just as high because the, the buyer's remorse is a real thing. It's it's going to kick in. So what are you doing to intentionally make sure that that, that stays high? Now, beyond that, once I become a customer, what's your process for retention, for repeat sales, for maybe uh, finding out what else I might need? And then obviously, uh, the ultimate goal is to lead every single one of our customers to become an evangelist or a referral source for our business. So those stages of know, like, trust try, buy, repeat, and refer to me really map out the entire journey that pretty much everybody wants to go on with the businesses that that they do business with. And our job really is just to allow them to, to facilitate it, to make it a great experience, to make them you know so thrilled that they want to go out of their way to tell their friends, neighbors, and colleagues about us. And, and that you know, that journey, I think, portrays a much better picture of what we have to do as marketers. Yes, it's interesting you say that buyers want to do that. Again, back to the use of the word subconscious. Even at the subconscious level, people want that. That's why like your sales process is often viewed as a uh, preview yes. or a try yeah. <laughs> to see if, if is that a preview of what it's going to be like to be a customer. And uh, often it is, particularly if it's a bad sales process. No, I mean, I think it's very true. We don't sit there and go, okay, I'm going to call these people and try them. Or I'm going to fill out a form on their website and try them. Exactly. But that's no. what we're doing. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, because Absolutely. If, we had a bad, if we have a bad experience there, may, the trial's over. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things from the book that was, um, I, I thought, very different, having read uh, several hundreds of these, was not just the customer's member concept, but you talk about the customer success track 
And I want to ask you about that. And as I was reading through the beginning of that section, another book came to mind, which was uh, Joey Coleman's book, Never Lose a Customer Again. And then I turned the page and you mentioned his book. <laughs> so there's two books, at least, that talk about this, this concept. But talk about a customer success track and maybe what, what a company could be doing to start to sketch one out. Sure. So the reality is, so the customer success track is is really my attempt to say, how can we take our customers from where they are today to where they want to go? But the reality is, it's something that I've maybe subconsciously created over the years because I want to keep a customer forever. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. want to do marketing projects. I want to have a client or a customer that stays with me and I mature and grow their marketing because the reality is once we do a good job with marketing, they're going to need something else. And then they're going to get to a certain level and they're going to maybe need us to help them build a team internally, you know, uh, for example. So, and they might even give you a referral, which we're going to talk about. And so really developing this customer success track was really came about as my approach to how can we mature and grow, you know, with our clients, because most of our clients seem to be coming to us at a certain stage. They have certain characteristics of where their marketing is and certainly challenges because they can't get past that stage. And so we started finding ourselves you know, creating a repeatable system to take them from that first stage, which was typically foundational building out of things to the next stage, which was our ability to start generating leads for them uh, because now they had the foundation. And so us driving traffic to a, a web page or a landing page was going to make sense. And then we went to work on, okay, let, how can we, how can we ramp up the leads while we also ramp up the conversion of those leads? Because that's really the, the, the goal. And, and the, we found that it kind of had a linear fashion to it. And so mm -hmm. we actually developed. And it can be a big mistake to try and do those latter things before the first things are squared away. Yeah. I mean that we, we see it all the time. People running ads yeah. to their homepage and, and, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, because they don't know any better. And so, so what we found is that we could create a, a, a list of milestones for each stage that, that we can answer yes or no to and, and assign tasks, you know, have they done this? Have they done this? And, and, and really almost get through that checklist. It was almost guaranteed that they were now ready to go to that next stage. And so in, in an attempt to keep these clients for a long time, we just kept growing those stages and find, doing more and adding more. And, mm -hmm. and ultimately what, what we discovered is that this became really our entire our mission. So instead of in, inviting clients uh, in so that we could fix the thing that was bothering them today, we actually we actually educate and and certainly in our sales messaging talk about the entire roadmap, talk about what future state is going to look like, and talk about you know kind of how and why we're going to get there. And and what it automatically did is had people looking at us as a long term solution. Mm -hmm. But but it also, as I said, it really. <laughs> It became our mission. It certainly became, you know, how we thought about product and service development, how, who we hire and how we train. <laughs> I mean, it really, this roadmap, you know, really becomes and has become the entire strategy for our business. And so I document this thoroughly in the book. So if you're interested in marketing and what a marketing roadmap looks like, <laughs> including tasks and milestones, it's in the book and it's in the additional resources. But my real goal is that I would like to see how many other businesses that are not marketing businesses could take this idea and apply it because I think that it is universally applicable. Obviously, there are some industries or some types of businesses where you know it'll immediately make sense. But I think if you stretch your imagination a little, it doesn't really matter what business you're in. You can take this approach of growing with your clients and making that kind of the the 
their success, you know, ultimately your primary goal. Yes. And as I was reading through the book, probably even before you mentioned it, I think I thought, man, this is so much better for sales too, because it helps to bring the future to the present and helps people understand all the complexity of whatever it is, whether it's marketing services or an accounting firm or building a house. And it helps them to, helps you to manage expectations better, I would think. You, you know, and it actually, it actually allows us to attract an ideal client as well, because we know if somebody comes to us and says, oh, that's all great. Yeah. And we'll get to that. But just, I want to run some Facebook ads. Yes. Um, oh, you know, yeah. they're not going to be a good fit <laughs> for us. And so consequently, this approach is not really going to appeal to them, but it is going to appeal to somebody who realizes that marketing is an investment, that you're never done, <laughs> that it's not an event, that it's it's a system in your business that takes a, a, a long-term approach. I mean, that's who this will appeal to. And ultimately, that's who we're trying to attract. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. HubSpot's CRM platform is easy to adopt, and there are really two reasons, two features that make this possible, the contact timeline and the mobile app and mobile keyboard. HubSpot's contact timeline gives you the historical context you need to get the work done and connect with customers because all of your customer data is in one place. It can serve as a single source of truth. In HubSpot, you can take an action right from the contact timeline. Make a call, enroll a contact in a sequence, schedule a meeting, you've got it. And if you're on the go, you just use the mobile app to make it all happen and keep everything up to date. You don't have to spend a lot of time training your team. You can be sure that all the contact information is going into one system, making your team more efficient. Look, better adoption with a CRM leads to better data richer insights, and a bigger impact on your customer experience. Learn more about how you can scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. Yeah, just, it, it's so true. It's, it's, it's almost ingenious because it helps to ward off the people that aren't a good fit, who, if you do try to work with them, they're not going to be happy. You will not have helped them become successful, and they're going to say, uh, bad things about you because it was not a, a good fit uh, in the first place. With that in mind, let's go back to that 20% you mentioned. Can you say a little bit more about that in terms of, is it the, is it is the issue that companies just want more customers or do they not think through about who their top 20% of their customers are? And you should also explain what top 20% actually means. It doesn't necessarily mean just revenues. Yeah. I, I think the real issue is we're afraid to say no. It's hard to say no. I mean, we're, oh, we're, sure, of course. We're, we're in the chase. In fact, for a lot of people, the chase and somebody saying, well, could you do this for me? That's actually the most exciting part for a lot of people in, in business. I still suffer from it you know, today, no matter how much I preach this stuff, we, we got an inquiry for a sort of a one-off kind of service from a company uh, that is located in a country that we really don't have any presence or true knowledge of how their, their, you know, business culture works. And I still had this inkling of saying, well, if they'll pay enough, but you know, and that's, I know better. Right. But you know, we, we ultimately turned it down because what we don't realize because this isn't put in our face. You know, the the offer for a couple thousand dollars or whatever it is, is real. It's tangible. We know what that is. But we don't see is the opportunity loss 
that mm-hmm. is happening because we chase those things. It is very difficult for somebody to realize that you are the absolute choice and I'm willing to pay a premium for you to do the work for me when you are talking about the 27 things that you could do for somebody. The, the This 80-20 rule, which is kind of cliche, but boy, it sure shows up in a, in a lot yeah, of the real ways. It's still around. It must yeah. be working. And, and you know, I've seen it. You know, when I can stand back and have the, the emotional detachment to look at somebody else's client base, you know, I can I can show them that, that 80% of their profit is probably coming from their top 20% of their clients. And yet, probably 50-50 time-wise is, is being dedicated. And, and what I mean by that is that that bottom... 30 or 20%. Also, there's sort of this inverse math, you know, suck up a lot of time as, <laughs> as, as well somehow. And, and so, you know, if we, if we could get to the point where we really understood who we offer the most value to, who's the most profitable, who really has the right problem or the right situation or the right behavior or value set that, that, that will work with, you know, our way of working, I think that that we can we can do a couple things. We can narrow our focus messaging wise to talk about their approach, their problem, who they are, you know, how we solve their problem in an effort to attract more people like them. You know, the customer success track we talked about has a little bit of when that becomes a sales tool has a little bit of attracting, you know, the right clients. But it also allows us to then start saying, okay, what what can we do that would really blow them away. How could we make this even better, <laughs> what we're doing? Because now we're so focused on, instead of trying to serve people that are we're having to create new stuff for, we're really focused on creating stuff just for these group. Uh, the 80-20 applies also to, you know, 20% of your top clients would pay you 10 times more probably uh, if, if you could discover a way to, to serve them doing it. And some even smaller percentage of that group would, would maybe pay you a hundred times more if you could mm-hmm. figure out how to actually provide that service or, or provide uh, that value to them. And, and, you know, anybody who's been in business any amount of time at all knows it is so much easier to actually discover what somebody who already trusts you, somebody who has already given you money and gotten value for it. It's so much easier to sell more effectively to those folks than it is to go out and find more people, you know, to give you the $100 starter price or whatever uh, it is. I, you know, I've seen it happen time and time again in, in, in my business. You know, I had a workshop that I did for uh, 20 people, 20 businesses. And it was a very low cost kind of beta, you know, kind of thing. And at the end, I just said, Hey, I've got room to work with three of you on -on one-on-one coaching doing X, you know, for X amount of money. And I had six people, you know, that wanted to do it. And it was, I'm doing quick math. It was 30 times more expensive than what they had paid to be there in, in that, you know, day long workshop. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm only using that example because we all have that. We just don't think to ask. We just sell our $49 product yeah, all day long right. to more people. And we don't realize that there are people that, that have bought that that would now give us $4,900 if we, if, if we focused on what you know, their pain points were or what they needed next. Yeah, I think a lot of companies don't realize that their customers like them more than they realize. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they and they're ready to to buy more. Let's jump to the the part that you cover really heavily at the end of the book about referrals. And I should remind listeners that you've written an entire book about referrals and why that is 
so important. And of course, it ties in with the, the, the thing I already mentioned about the, the top 20%. So can you talk about the, the importance of referrals, having a referral system? And also, can you tie that in with this idea of yet another new idea from your book about helping your, your customers, a whole ecosystem? Yeah. So, so my thought on this is that if you do these first four steps, so, so what we're talking about is, is step number five in the process that, that referrals or a focus on referrals is actually just the, almost the only outcome <laughs> that can occur. So if you think about it, we create this customer success track that, that, that really focuses on transformation. So you're going to work with the right people. They're going to be thrilled. You're going to make them successful. That's, you know, that's step number one to getting referrals anyway. Now we're going to narrow our focus to uh, the top 20%, our most profitable customers who are already referring business to us. So we're now going to attract more of the same. And those folks are going to refer more of the same because they've had a great experience. Obviously, steps three and four go into a lot of what it takes to attract and message and all the channels that we have to play in today. And then we ultimately end on, on step five being, you know, impacting your client's entire ecosystem. So that step is, is really, if, you know, there are probably five or six total processes for how to make referral generation an automated system inside of your business. And explain what you mean by ecosystem. Well, so one of the things that that I've done for many years is, is that, you know, I believe that everybody that we work with, obviously this is, I guess it works for B2C too, but, but certainly works in B2B. If I'm working with somebody, another business owner, they have other service professionals that help them with their accounting lawyers, bankers, you know, things of that nature, because I provide marketing. And so one of the things that that we have done as a bit of a habit over the years is that we will develop a marketing plan for a client, for example, or a branding strategy or you know, whatever people want to <laughs> refer to it as. And we typically will offer to, to meet with and engage the other professionals that serve them as a way to educate them on kind of here's the thinking, here's what marketing is going to do, here's the strategy in the, in the marketing for this client. And, and the, the point of doing that is to provide more value for our client, because I believe if I teach their accountant, what we're going to be doing in marketing, that the, the accountant will actually be more prepared to serve that client or understand where expenses or expenditures are going to be you know budgeted. And mm -hmm. I think that that actually benefits our client, but, but it actually allows us to do a better job too. I sometimes find things well, here's why this is going on, or here's this, you know, expense that they're going to have to do. So that's why they can't invest in. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great learning experience for me as well, but over the years of doing that, in addition to helping our mutual client, it, it is almost always created referral relationships because all of a sudden that accountant's going, wow, nobody else has ever done that with any of the other clients that I've worked with. And that was really useful. And so in almost all cases, we've served our client. And in doing that, set up another referral relationship. And we could do this dozens of times with some clients. And one of the things in that section of the book that I found very interesting or was a great reminder was sort of activating your marketing through all your employees. Yeah. I mean, how many times have I worked with a client where... You know, it's like, yeah, just leave it at the loading dock. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of buy-in and we work hard to overcome that now, but it's, you realize just how important it is. And it also reminded me of this notion that the average employee has 10 times the social media reach as the company does. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let me just ask 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, we're going to give out prizes and do all the, you know, I mean, part of what gets buy-in is, I mean, how often does the marketing department sit around and create the new campaign and the new strategy or whatever? Nobody else in the company even knows what's going on. I know they <laughs> haven't even taken that step. You yeah. Know? And so, I mean, some of it's just, Hey, teach this stuff, you know, because any way, shape and form in which your 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 company comes into contact with a prospect or a customer, that person or that interaction is performing a marketing function. So let's make sure we're all on the same page. That's a really important point that you made in your book. I, I think it's, I, I have difficulty thinking of companies, particularly medium to small size ones, where there are not many employees who don't have some impact on the customer. Yep. Even if it's a, a baggage handler, <laughs> that's very much customer facing, even though they're not actually talking to the customer. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go a step goofier than that. You know, how many times, I mean, how many times have I worked with, so maybe you have too, I'll put it that way, you know, with companies where we're doing a great job. I love the people we're doing pride of our valley value. That's, you know, it's awesome. We love it. We've got a great partnership and then we send an invoice and then we get like the, the lawyers from, you know, where, you know, <laughs> sending, well, us we back, all know where lawyers are from. <laughs> sending us I'm back sorry. all these information about all these forms we have to fill out and all these things we have, you know, it's like, maybe they need those things. Maybe they don't, but you know, they're performing a marketing function. I mean, they, they, they are impacting the relationship that, that we have with that organization. And is it the same brand promise that, that marketing and everybody else is delivering on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just ask two other uh, big questions about the book and then we'll go. And I, this is a little bit longer than most of your episodes, but do, gosh darn it, it's 200 pages and we're not being, we're just skimming the surface. One of the, my favorite chapters, probably my favorite chapter was chapter six, the real problem you solve <laughs> really got into psychology in just a beautiful way. Explain what you mean when you say that people don't actually want what we're selling. What That's going to hurt a lot of feelings. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, lo I love to just, I'll be doing from the stage, you know, I'll throw up this slide. No one wants what we sell. They want their problem solved. And we don't, I mean, that sounds so counterintuitive. Of course they want what we sell because it does this and it has this. And, and ultimately, you know, I, the example I love to use is me, you know, I sell marketing strategy. Nobody ever, ever, ever wakes up and says, I'm going to go get some marketing strategy today. I really want that. <laughs> uh, but they do say, how come every time somebody calls, they want a lower price or why, when I look at Google or my competitors are ahead of me, those are the problems they want solved. And they just happen to be solved by a better marketing strategy. And so, so once we can articulate that we get you, we understand the problems you're having, they'll listen to us and allow us to connect that to the solution. If I just went out there and started saying, everybody needs marketing strategy, come on down and get it. There's not going to be much, there's not going to be much uptake in that. But if I start talking about, you know, the reasons or, or the ways in which you can become the, the, you know, the price leader and, you know, be the most profitable company in your industry, that starts talking about things that they want. And now I can connect that to really, you know, how they get it done. And I, and I think in some cases, frankly, a lot of our prospects and customers, best customers, don't uh, don't ultimately know what their problem is. And yes. so in many cases, by being the company that says, here's why you're feeling that, here's why that's happening, you know, is does that resonate? Yeah. You know, you you can really build a, a significant amount of trust and differentiate yourself because everybody else is talking about how long they've been in business. 
Yes. So the last question is 10 chapters and an epilogue in the book. Chapter nine. So towards the very end of the book, the very first line is your website is the hub of your marketing engine. John Jantz, if it's that important, why is it in chapter nine out of 10? Well, I think I said this on your uh, podcast as well, as well, Douglas, the the, the two-star reviews that will show up in Amazon will say the, that same question. But but what, what I want to, what I- And they will not have read the book, but they'll complain, yeah. But, but um, what I go on to say from that is that everything else leading up to this is going to make your website now an effective hub of your business. Yes. If we started with, you need a website and it needs to do this, but we hadn't, thought about the customer success track. We haven't thought about how we're going to narrow our focus. We hadn't figured out the problem that we can promise to solve. Then we're just going to build another website that doesn't do much. And and so that's why I really leave all of the channels to generate leads and convert leads really late in, in the book for that very reason. And again, I know not everybody, that approach is not going to appeal to everybody, but people who want to invest in their business for the long term will get that we need to do that much strategy work to get to this point. Mm -hmm. In the ad world, I remember there was an expression of, you can't rush a cake, <laughs> which is just, you know, they wanted a great television campaign out of nothing without having done any of the work That's first. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of a, a process there. So, John, just a, a reminder, tell folks where they can get access to all the resources and the, the course. You bet. So I know listeners have heard me say this before. I'll say it again. TheUltimateMarketingEngine.com is where you'll find out about the book. You'll see something there that says, uh, get the companion course. Obviously, just follow the instructions. When you get the book, you'll actually find uh, a link to the resources uh, page that uh, will allow you to download really everything associated kind of we've set it up chapter by chapter so you can kind of know where that uh, particular tool is as well you can get a couple free chapters the book comes out september 21st if you're listening to this on the day that we launch you've still got a couple days to pre-order the 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 book when this po podcast comes out and uh, grab that course and and really get yourself a head start uh, before that book shows up if you're listening to this after september 21st then gosh darn it go to your favorite bookseller and pick up a copy of the ultimate marketing engine i i'm going to be very self-serving here, Doug. I, I think that- Well, this is your show, well, so- I know, I know. But every time <laughs> I say this, I think, are they really buying this or not? But-, but, but <laughs> Well, I mean, the fact that I'm on here interviewing you about your book because you didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so well, it's okay, John. It's okay. I, I, I just books are the best bargain going. Oh, I mean, there is no better <laughs> ROI- uh, than buying a book. And, you know, I, you're probably the same way. There have been a couple of books in my uh, long career that had such an enormous impact. The right book at the right time, it, it truly is invaluable. So I have a, a, a gentleman that has a, uh, a business helping, you know, other authors and sales professionals and, and, and people that call themselves authorities, you know, building kind of courses and building, you know, their platform. And he had an advanced reader copy of this. I had him on my podcast and, and he swore that this book had given him an idea that was worth $250,000. So if, if you get, you know, if you get fifty dollars out of this book, it, it's been it's been a great uh, bargain. And now I'm going to really do a number on you. Um, a little power tip here: there is a version in Audible. 
And I find that this book is meaty. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I'm asking you to do, some new concepts. One of the things that I've found to be really impactful is when I really want to to internalize a book is, is to get the, I'm still a paperback reader, to get, get that or the Kindle version, but then also get the Audible version. And I will actually listen at like one and a half times speed as I read. And I just find that first off, I can read the book a lot faster that way, but I also find that it really helps me with, with retaining the ideas or even understanding the ideas to hear the author say them or whoever's reading the book while I'm actually seeing them uh, on the page. So, you know, now you're in for another nine bucks, I think, or something, but. Wow. Uh, uh, and but you actually did the audio, didn't you? I, I did do, I did do the audio. James Earl Jones was busy that day. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So wait, let me make sure I understand this. I learned so much from you, John, John Chance. So you get the audio version and listen to it and read at the same time? I do. And I actually crank it up to one and a half times. So oh, wait, interesting. I've a lot, never a lot of authors really read slowly, <laughs> I find. Okay. And so I crank it up to one, one and a half and I read the, the, I actually see the pages. I'm not probably not reading the same way I would read, but I actually see the words as they're being said to me as well. And it just, I don't know, it just really makes it go deeper. I might have to try that. I have only listened to one audiobook ever. I, I have to read the hard copy to absorb it for some reason. So, yeah. but that's an interesting idea. Well, the other well, thing that's is, great. The other thing it does is it keeps me focused because sometimes when you're listening to an audiobook, you know, you tend to multitask and then you're like, wait, what, what happened to chapter eight? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. That's why I had to take all the social media off my phone and that's right. that's uh, right. that's put right. it on the table away from me. If I may be so bold, uh, to listen to the interview that I did with John Jantz about the ultimate marketing engine, just visit his uh, episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. If this wasn't enough for you, you know, go there. There's a lot of really stupid jokes that John tolerated. So, you know, something different to listen to. John, thank you very much for the opportunity to guest host on your show the second time. It's been a real honor. It's been an honor both times. And congratulations on the ultimate marketing engine. Well, Douglas, thanks so much. And I appreciate your work and I appreciate uh, the support. So thanks everybody for listening, tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we love those reviews and comments and just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the duct tape marketing consultant network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that offer our system to your clients tab.